0: We are blessed to have some visitors among us today, and I happen to notice Brother Arvin Martin uh, from Mount Olive, and he has consented to come and share a, a devotional or a story or something with us prior to the message. Brother Arvin, would you come forward, please? Good
1: morning and uh, greetings in Jesus' name. You have a beautiful valley here this weekend, and. Uh, I was thinking about that and I was thinking, you know, God could have just made that when the temperature reached a certain time that all the tree all the leaves just turned brown and fall off all at once. Like He could have done that. But he didn't. And it just for Christians it's just so awe-inspiring to think about that God has done this this made nature the way He did. So we were at Sparkling Springs for the weekend and decided to come over here for church. Uh, what I really like to share is I, I like to tell stories, and I'll tell two stories, and uh, it's about the the sad commentary on humanity, but hopefully it's not the sad commentary on uh, Anabaptist Christian people. The first one is, and I don't know how I, I'm sure the ladies don't do this, but, I, but I'm probably I'm not going to raise hands. How many men do this? But let's say that. You were going down a road, and you saw a radar trap. You didn't get caught in it, but 30 seconds later, you see a truck or a car coming towards you that's going a little faster than normal. How many of you would flash your lights at them? You know, like, hey, trouble. And uh, they immediately slam on the brakes. And I think to myself sometimes, like, what would I have to say in church? (laughs) Like how how can I get these people? How come they're so willing to slam on the brakes from a from a little flash of lights from a complete stranger? But yet you can preach the gospel and seems like nothing happens. So you can cogitate on that a bit. And now the the next story. Uh, so picture this: Last weekend we went to Michigan to visit my brother. And we stopped at Toledo, Ohio. We made a two-day trip out. We stopped at Toledo, Ohio, and found a nice hotel there. And we're up on the third floor, and it was a nice hotel, and we were had enjoyed it quite immensely. And went to sleep, and at uh, hoping to get sleep in a little later, and you know, and then make go on our trip. What 5:45 in the morning, we hear this. Rare, straight out of bed, and my wife says, "Fire alarm! Fire alarm!" So, you know, I get up, grab my pants and shirt, and go out. And well, no, the first thing I did was was uh, called the operator down the main deck. Nothing, rang and rang and rang. Nothing's going on. Here. Well, that's not that's not good. So I went out, looked up and down the hall, and sniffed and didn't smell anything. And I told Alice, "It's like..." I'm going down to the lobby to see what's going on. See if it's a fire alarm. I mean, see if it's a false alarm. Meanwhile, it had quit. So I'm not taking the elevator. So I go down. Go down to the lobby. There is not a soul, not one single solitary person in the lobby. Like, well, that's a fine thing. You know, we've got a fire alarm going off, and nobody is concerned. I mean, nobody. Well, after a while, another fellow shows up you know you like was that a was that a false alarm I said, well, I don't know I, said, I don't smell smoke um, what what are we gonna do meanwhile I get a text from Alice she says like what am I supposed to be doing well she's already thrown all the stuff in the suitcase like she's ready to leave I said just hang tight I think it's a false alarm so I look out, and there here comes this policeman he pulls up in a cruiser, and he comes in, and I said, like, is this a false alarm? And he's like, oh, I have no idea. He's like, yeah, I don't even know how many people's here. I said, well, obviously there's about three of us. That's about all I can figure, uh, you know, <laughs> just from the looks of things. And, and I said, well, I asked the fellow which floor were you on? He said, we were on the third floor. I said, well, so were we. Anyway, after a while, this guy comes trotting across the the, the lobby. And I was like, is this a false alarm? Like, I don't know. It says it's in the uh, pump room. I'm going to go find out. Well, meanwhile, he's gone and he's gone and he's gone. <laughs> like, well, I, I'm supposing it is that it's a false alarm. I, I, I really suppose it is. Well, then finally one other man shows up. This is like 15 minutes into it. Another man shows up and he's like, was that a false alarm? <laughs> like, I don't know, I I assume it was. So, we decided it was a false alarm. And I I told the fellow beside said, this right here is a sad commentary on humanity. You get a fire alarm and everybody just rolls over and goes back to sleep. Not me, I'm on third floor, okay? I'm not interested in jumping. Now, what's the moral of the story is this, Are we people who ignore the fire alarms? I think the brother may pull a fire alarm in your life this morning. I think it's highly possible. Something that you need to check out. Are you going to roll over and go back to sleep or are you going to smell for smoke? That's my question. (laughs) That's my question this morning. And uh, I'm sure that he's got a word from the Lord. And it very possibly if we're. If we're alive and awake, that there will be something for us. And if he pulls a fire alarm in your life, do something about it. Don't just roll over and go back to sleep. We still don't know how many people was in the hotel. (laughs) There was four of us at least.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Brother Arvin, for sharing you're, you all's being here today is not by chance. Uh, I'm amazed how the Lord leads and directs. And this morning it is kind of a, a parallel, or let's just say a contrast, between the world and how they perceive things and how we as Christians are to be perceiving things. So uh, hopefully the Holy Spirit can help us make connection between what Brother Arvin shared this morning and what I have to share. And to you brothers and sisters, I would con- I'd like to consider an Old Testament account this morning, and I'd like to consider an Old Testament character and make application for 2023. And I would submit to you that 2023 is not the first time that Israel has faced a formidable army, I'm sorry, enemy, with the desire to wipe them off the face of the earth. Turn with me to Esther chapter 3. Like to read this from the NIV if I could. Esther chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. You know this story well, so we're not reading the whole thing. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet, having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. It seems here Haman, he consoled himself with the fact that he not only wanted to kill Mordecai, but he wanted to kill all of the race of Israel. And there's other people even today that have a desire to wipe them off of the face of the map. Let's move down to verses 8 to 11. Then Haman said to Xerxes, There is a certain people dispersed and scattered among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom, whose customs are different from those of all other people and who do not obey the king's law. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them. And I will put 10,000 talents of silver into the royal treasury for the men who carry out this business. 375 tons of silver. There's many people that feel that Haman did not have that much money in his bank account, but he would take advantage of slaughtering the Jews and providing to pay the king out of what he had taken from the Jews. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but... Let's move to verse 13. I, I guess I didn't quite finish all that. Let's, sing, let's uh, read verses 10 and 11. So the king took his signet ring from his finger and he gave it to Haman, son of Hamadath of the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. And he said, keep the money, the king said to Haman, and do with the people as you please. It seems that destruction by a foreign en- enemy was put into writing. And doom for the children of Israel was certain. Why? Let's read verse 13. Dispatches were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and young little children, on a single day, the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. It seemed that doom for the children of Israel was certain. And you know how uh, Mordecai, uh, he came to Esther. And the text today is verse 14. And 4.14, chapter 4, verse 14. And it says, And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? So Esther was made, she was brought to a point of decision. What must I do? What will I do? And, you know, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, not her day. And I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Queen Esther, she chose to throw off her veil of secrecy. And she chose to identify with God and with God's people at the expense or threat of her own life. Brothers and sisters, do you think that there may be a time when you or I may need to identify with God and with God's people at the expense, the threat of our own life? Esther, laid basically she laid her life on the altar and she was looking to God. If he desired to restore it, he could, but he wouldn't have to. But she made a decision. So the title of the message this morning is For Such a Time as This. So what's the parallel that I'd like to make this morning? We here in America in 2023, we may not be facing death and annihilation, but there are people who are. And there are Yes, there are some people who are. But the fact remains, there are many securities that people have put their faith in, and those securities are crumbling and being dashed to pieces at their very feet. That's kind of what I'd like to consider this morning. I'd like to consider three points. Number one is the shattering of earthly securities. Secondly, what is your security? And thirdly, what is your mission? So what can we sit And I would submit to you, brothers and sisters, that your existence here today at this time, at this place is not by chance. But it's by God's special purpose. And you for a reference to you could look to Acts chapter 17 that would bear that out. But God has a special work for you and for me for such a time as this. Okay, I'd like to briefly consider several or some of the shattering of the earthly securities. And Stan, you talked about Israel. I'd like to think very briefly about Israel, the war in Israel. I'd like to think about the Iron Dome. You all know about the Iron Dome and how Israel has this system in place to shoot shoot down incoming missiles. And there's a man that I keep up with some. His name is Armut. Amir Sarfati and he said this about Israel as they faced the uh, attack on October the 7th he said we severely overestimated now this is not verbatim we severely overestimated our defensive capabilities and we severely underestimated our enemy And we know that there could be an escalation. It's my understanding that Iran, Libya, uh, I'm sorry, not Libya, Lebanon and Syria have made threats against the United States not to become involved. Uh, so Israel overestimated uh, their defensive capabilities. That's way over there. But, and also, what about Ukraine and Russia? The war has been going on in Ukraine and Russia for almost two years, a year and three quarters. There's Christians that are caught in the crossfire and there's souls, eternal souls that are on each side of the conflict and they're caught in this crossfire. People need to recognize that the arm of the flesh is not the answer to conflict in life. Thirdly, there's a lot of unrest, there's a lot of prejudice in the United States today. You don't have to look any further than the shooting in Maine where 18 people were killed and many were, were injured in that. I found that there are 500, there have been 566 mass shootings in the United States this year alone, up to this point. We're not to the end of the year. So there's almost two mass shootings every day in the United States. There's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of prejudice. There's a lot of hate in our world today. And people are unsettled. Where can we go? Where, what safe place can we go? I would say that that is. Earthly security that's being shattered today. Fourthly, would be the economy in our nation. It's my understanding that the national debt is $33.7 trillion. And if every person in the United States, every father, every mother, every child, if they would give money to eliminate the national debt, it would take $100,000 per person to eliminate the the national debt. That's how large the national debt is. That, has, that brings a lot of unrest for people wondering what's going to happen to the economy in the United States. Fifthly is inflation. Whether this is true or not, I don't know, but I found this as I looked. Three, three trillion dollars were printed in three and a half months. Um, you know, the printing of money, we're talking about inflation and how, I guess, the government feels like, you know, they need to print money. That's the answer to jump-starting the economy and that sort of thing. Well, how wise is that? You know what happens when they print extra money. You know, there's inflation and prices go up. Maybe we could illustrate it this way. Um, here is a here's a pint of orange juice. And let's say if we would take this pint of orange juice and dump it out in this five-gallon bucket, and as we would go uh, through this service or through the way, week and we would continue to to add water to this this orange juice, what would happen to the orange juice? It'd be diluted, right? And at the end of the week, I don't know who'd want to drink it at the end of the week, but at the end of the week, you probably could hardly tell that there was orange juice in the bucket because it had been diluted. And brothers and sisters, I submit to you that that is what has happened also to God's Word. You remember that in Exodus chapter 20 God had given the 10 commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai and what happened to that word over the years over many years the religious leaders they began to add this rule and that rule till they had 630 laws that they added to the original 10 what do you reckon happened to the original 10 we're talking about dilution and what happens There's many people that want to claim, they want to give verbal assent to be a being a Christian. Yeah, you know, God is Lord, and we believe in the Bible. But in their lives, do they really? Are they really following? Are they really being obedient? <clears throat> Brother Curvin, I think you made mention last Sunday or the Sunday before about the importance of uh, object lessons. Say, so would you come forward? would you verify, confirm that this is orange juice? Tastes like it. Okay. Here, you can take it back. You can share it with you and your wife whenever you want to. My point is, after this service, if we would continue to dump water gallons or quarts and just continue to the point. I don't think that Curvin would enjoy his orange juice because it would be so, so diluted. Um, and let's be careful, brothers and sisters, that we don't do that to God's word. There are many people today that are diluting God's word to where it is hardly, it hardly has any strength at all, it makes no difference in their life. Let's make sure that we don't do that. The last one I'd like to consider, as so we're thinking about shattering of earthly securities, would be religious persecution. There's an organization called Open Doors, and they report that today there's 360 million people that are facing high levels of persecution and discrimination in our world today they report that there's approximately 5,900 Christians that were killed in 2022. And that's up from 4,761 in 2021, or an increase of 1,200 people that were killed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And we can say, well, that's out there in Africa, that's in Sudan, that's in those other places. But brothers and sisters, What do you think is happening here in the United States? I submit to you that more and more Christian liberties are being taken away, even here in our own country. What might we face down the road? And I'm not telling you that to scare us, but we have an anchor. We have something to put our complete faith and trust in. There are some people that their earthly securities are being shattered But we have something that will not shatter, and that's the word of Jesus Christ. And we have something to put our complete faith and trust in. Let's move on. Where is your security? I was reminded of the prophet Habakkuk. If you want to, you can turn there. Habakkuk, this book was written approximately in 600 B.C., Babylon was being used as a tool in God's hand to bring judgment on Judah for their unfaithfulness. And Habakkuk chapter 1 and chapter 2, Habakkuk was questioning, had many questions about the predicament that Judah found themselves in. But there's a beautiful transition in chapter 3. Habakkuk surrendered to God's plan for the children of, of Israel or Judah. And whatever came his way, Habakkuk expressed an unshakable faith in God. And he says this, Habakkuk chapter three verses seventeen and eighteen. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive tree—I'm sorry—though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there is no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. Habakkuk was he put his complete faith, whatever happens, he put his complete faith and trust in the Almighty God that had proved himself faithful in years past. And so I would like to consider, what about us? Where is our security? Psalm 46, verses 1 to 4. A similar passage. Psalm 46, verses 1 to 4. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And aren't you glad that when you're going through the trouble, He has said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. A very present help in trouble. Verse 2, Therefore will we not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. The author of Psalm 46 put his faith and trust in the Almighty God. It reminded me of the song that we have in our Zion's praises Number three, great is thy faithfulness. And I would like if you would sing that song with me this morning, verses one to three. Um, It's number three, great is thy faithfulness. Let's sing verses one to three. Why don't you stand with me and let's sing this song? Verses one to three. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my. where is your security in the one that has proved him faithful faithfulness in your past he will prove himself faithful faithful in your future in the present and in the future last point of the message what is your mission so brothers and sisters we have a choice to make like Esther needed to make we can either cower with our heads over hands over our head or we can realize that God has placed us here and now for a special purpose for such a time as this I truly believe that as the earthly securities shatter at the feet of many people they will hunger for truth in a way that they never have before Even today, there are many who are seeking something stable. They're looking for an anchor, if you will, to stabilize them during the storms of uncertainty, during the storms of fear, and during the storms of doubt. And that anchor is Jesus Christ. Who's going to tell them? And that's where you and I come in. I usually don't have two texts. For a sermon but today i do if you allow me turn to first peter chapter 3 verses 15 verse 15. first peter chapter 3 15. the king james reads but sanctify the lord god in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that it is in you with meekness and fear. The NIV reads, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this in gentleness and respect. I sincerely believe that as the securities are being obliterated at the feet of people who have placed their faith in them, you and I will have more and more opportunity in the future, in the near future maybe, of sharing the reason of the hope that you have, that I have. The Apostle Paul, he was not ashamed of the work that Jesus had called him to do after his conversion. In Romans 1.16, he says this, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and to the Greek. Paul said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news. There's a lot of people in need of good news today. How about you and me? In conclusion, do you have an anchor for your soul? Are you prepared? And are you willing to share your confidence with those whose securities are being dashed at their feet? Brothers and sisters, I believe with all my heart that God has a special work for you and me. That is to faithfully serve our generation for such a time as this. May the Lord bless you to that end.